Welcome back into the great Scott show ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports by his request. So what you want by the BC boys? That was Phil Steele's request. The uh, man behind the ultimate college football preview every year. The 2022 version is available now. Go to Barnes and Nobles, pick it up. If you don't already have it, it is the book that the experts or anybody that loves college football cannot do without good morning phil how are you man how's life oh great scott uh, i get to talk football all day long during the summer so my favorite months of the year are probably june july and august uh, no no deadlines just talking football yeah i know that there, there are plenty of deadlines before but when that thing hits the news rack you're doing a lot of these and we appreciate you taking the time with us so I, I think i asked you this last year but it's an important question what what is your favorite beastie boy song of all time phil <laughs> I don't recall you asking me that one uh, last year, Scott. And, and there are a couple of Beastie Boys songs that I like, but uh, I can't really pick a favorite right now. Yeah, I get it. It's like Sophie's Choice, right? Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the the college football preview from Phil Steele. Um, again, you can get it at Barnes & Noble now, uh, philsteele.com. You can follow Phil's account on Twitter at philsteele042. I say it every year. It is the most comprehensive guide to each college football season. It's also the most accurate predictor, right? You have over 350 full-color pages, stats, trends, angles, returning starters. So uh, for those that might be a new listener, right, maybe they maybe they don't know about Phil Steele. They probably do, but there's maybe a few that don't. When I say most accurate and you say most accurate, there is a reason behind that. Can you explain to our audience why that is one of the monikers that's followed you around for so many years? Yeah, and, you know, there's a, a thing nowadays where, you know, you wonder, uh, there's always a prejudice in there, you know, when you're, when you're coming up on uh, evaluating things. But there is none here. The, uh, the most accurate is a site, a site called uh, preseason.stats.com. And what he does is basically if you pick a team fifth in the, lead, in the division and they finish third, you get two points. If you pick a team first and they finish first, you get zero points. He adds up all the points, and the low score wins, much like golf. So there's really no bias involved in it. It's a straight prediction accuracy of who predicts the the divisions the closest. And i got to tell you, back in the beginning, this is the 28th year of the magazine, 1995-1996, I didn't even know this site existed. And then I looked at the site, and I, I saw my rankings were low on there, and it was because I wasn't predicting all the conferences. So, you know, at that point, we added all the conferences, put the predictions in for each of the conferences, and all of a sudden we vaulted up to uh, number one most accurate. And that's where we've been over the last 28 years. So with that, let me ask you a couple of, I guess, predictions. Who, and, and you probably have more than one here, but <clears throat> you can rank them. Surprise teams for 2022. And when when we say surprise, that might mean a number of things to different people, but you always have sort of a, 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 a you know, define reason why they would be a surprise team. Yeah, and my surprise team list, uh, what I do is every spring, I come up with uh, who the preseason top 10 is going to be for the upcoming year. And then I say, all right, well, it wouldn't be a surprise if the top 10 team gets into the playoff mix. So I'm going to pick the other ones. By the way, we've had pretty good success judging those in the spring of where the AP poll comes out. 
Uh, I think uh, only four years have we not hit the top 10 in the last 13. So uh, like the last four years in a row, we've uh, predicted it uh, 40 out of 40 teams. So I take those out of the equation, and then I say, okay, a surprise team would be a non-top 10 team that I think has a shot of making the playoff. And this year, my number one most uh, number one surprise team is the Pitt Panthers. And I know Pitt won the ACC last year, but I think expectations are low for Pitt heading into this year due to the fact they lost Kenny Pickett, the quarterback, in the first round. And then they lost Jordan Addison to USC, which uh, really hurt them. But when I look at Pitt this year, I see a dominant defensive line, as always, under Pat Narduzzi. In fact, I rate him the number two defensive line in the country. They're also solid at linebacker and DB. I like the replacement at quarterback in Keaton Slovis. When I talked to Coach Narduzzi, he felt they had the wide receivers that were good enough to win the ACC. And then you look at the schedule this year and go over it, and they could very well be favored in all their games with the exception of Miami of Florida in the season final. Uh, where they're a three-point dog right now. So I, I think when you add it all up, Pitt would have that opportunity. And another one is actually on my most improved. Well, let me, you know, we'll probably talk about most improved. So let me go to my number three surprise team, and that's the NC State Wolfpack, also out of the ACC. And when you look at NC State, they've got practically everybody back. Uh, you look at the defensive line. Uh, I rate uh, number 19 in the country to linebacking core, number two, the DBs, number three. So a top-notch defense, a veteran quarterback uh, in Devin Leary, and some solid offensive line play as well. And for NC State, the key game of their schedule is going to be October 1st when they travel to face Clemson. Now, they knocked them off in overtime last year. If they can get that win in Death Valley, then NC State would find itself on the path to being a surprise team this year. You mentioned most improved. It's it's one of my questions as always. Who is and why, in your mind, will they be the most improved team in college football in 2022? You know, and interestingly, Scott, I, I write the magazine in three different uh, times. Uh, the first time is postseason, and in the postseason, uh, what I do is I read through every article that's written about that team for the season. I see who is lost, who I think is coming back, and write each of the positions. And at that point, uh, the postseason right through, which is generally done in the months of December or January, I didn't have USC very high. But with the hiring of Lincoln Riley and then what he's done through the transfer portal, they kept moving up in my rankings. Uh, and now to the point where he brought in Caleb Williams, his quarterback from Oklahoma. He brought in Mario Williams, one of his top wide receivers from Oklahoma. He brought in Jordan Addison, the Blitnikoff winner in May. Brought in Travis Dye, a 1,000-yard rusher from Oregon. And when I talked to Coach Riley and went over the uh, offensive line with him, he really likes the top-end experience that he has, and he didn't expect to inherit this much talent. Then you look at him defensively. They've got about 11 or 12 transfers coming in. Guys like Shane Lee, who started 13 games for Alabama in 2019. Uh, Mackay Blackman, who's one of the top cornerbacks in the country, would be rated higher if he wasn't playing at Colorado. He'll get that acclaim now that he's at USC. So the talent's actually there. I made him my number one most improved team, and then I skipped over a team when I was talking about the surprise teams. So my number two surprise team, if they can somehow win at Utah, I think this team goes from four and eight last year all the way up to double-digit wins and potentially the Pac-12 this season. ESPN Live, he had the best ticket in sports. Great stuff from Phil Steele. His college football preview is available now. The 2022 and his hit the shelves. You can go get it here in Lafayette at Barnes & Noble right now. 
Uh, you can get a digital version over at philsteel.com. Uh, so the the opposite of most improved, Phil, which which team do you feel like takes the biggest drop-off this year, the biggest fall? Uh, I would say there's a couple of teams that probably had a lot of good things in going their way last year, fortunate-wise, that probably won't have that same type of thing. Uh, you know, one team to look at potentially – uh, would be a, a team uh, like Nevada. Uh, I think Nevada takes a massive drop this year. Nevada last year was a contender in the Mountain West Conference. They had an explosive offense, uh, and they were very high on my radar, and they they won a lot of games. Now this year, Nevada loses practically everybody from the squad, including their head coach. Their head coach went over to Colorado State and then started plucking players off the roster who followed him to Colorado State, which has me thinking Colorado State's going to be a much improved team. But Nevada, which is six returning starters, a first-year head coach in Ken Wilson. And when I went over the team with Coach Wilson, uh, keep in mind, this is a Nevada team that was 8-5 and five last year, and, and like I said, they had an explosive offense. When I went over the team with them, they have a lot of walk-ons in the two deep. And I, I told them, I said, it's going to be enjoyable talking to you in your third or fourth year when you've built this roster and all of a sudden you're going two, three deep at most positions. But for this year, it sure looks like a rebuilding year for Nevada. Coming off a very good and prosperous run under Jay Norvell the last couple of years. Good stuff. So, I, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you as well, uh, Phil, is conference realignment. Now, it's a conversation that you and I have had for years, right? It, it started – you know, a decade or so ago when a lot of teams started moving and you saw a little bit of a shakeup. Now, I, I think what's happening now isn't a surprise because you think about it, TV money and things like that. But if I had told you, you know, 10, 11 years ago, yeah, USC, UCLA, they're going to want to make a run to the Big Ten and, you know, at that, you know, L, uh, Oklahoma and Texas will be in the SEC. And you'd probably be like, wait, what? How, that That's a lot can happen in 10 years. And how how does that impact you in your job? Like, you obviously, each conference, you rank them. It, you, it has a lot to do with how you predict it. Like, does it make your job more difficult? Does it make it easier? And, and what are your overall thoughts on the latest big wave of conference realignment? Yeah, and I tell you, Scott, uh, you probably asked me the question a couple years ago where college football is heading, and just two years ago I would have said, you know what, we're headed for five 16-team super conferences. I thought there would be the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the SEC, and the Big Big Ten all getting up to 16 teams, and all of a sudden we've got five 16-team super conferences. Now looks like we might be headed to two or three super conferences with the way the Big Ten and the SEC are gobbling up the major programs. And it's tough for anybody else to even compete with those two titans out there due to the TV money, which is just massive. And really, if you're TV, you want to be aligned with either the Big Ten or the SEC. Now, how it affects the magazine, it really doesn't because of the fact that all my predictions for the Pac-12, let's take the Pac-12, for example, this year, all my predictions are based on this year's Pac-12 teams and USC and UCLA playing in the Pac-12. Now, two years from now, it really will shake it up. As far as the the moving of the teams and conferences, it does make it uh, difficult. Sort of like COVID made things difficult last year. You know, we had teams coming off four-game seasons. We had a couple teams coming off zero-game seasons. We had teams coming off 12-game seasons last year. That was probably a little more difficult to deal with, but still, when you're dealing with how USC and UCLA have stacked up 
up against a Pac-12. How do you fit them into the Big Ten, and how are they going to fit in uh, to the games there? That will make it a little more difficult in the future, but as far as this year's magazine goes, at least we knew all the teams that were playing in each of their conferences. Phil Steele, our guest. All right, let's 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 dig into the Sun Belt. I want to talk UL. I do want to get LSU and SEC takes from you as well, but Let's start with uh, with Louisiana. I know, um, I guess, a, a month or, or two ago, you had a long conversation with new head coach, uh, Michael Desermo, and Louisiana's riding the longest win streak in the country, but they've, they've lost a significant amount of, you know, whether it be staff, they've lost some key seniors, key players, a multiple-year starter at quarterback. Uh, what is your prognosis for Louisiana Rage Cajun football overall this year as well as within the Sun Belt? Well, I tell you what, last year was something else. And at uh, 13 and 1, uh, finishing uh, top 16 in the country, and a very impressive season. As you touched on, losing Coach Napier to Florida, um, losing their outstanding white, uh, quarterback, Levi Lewis, two of the top three runners, and a lot of big players off the defense. I mean, the top three linebackers are all gone, plus four starters on that offensive line. And It's something that not a lot of folks concentrate on, but the offensive line many times is the key to the offense. Uh, The one couple of advantages for Louisiana this year, they get to play in the West. I think the Sun Belt East is a loaded division. You look at them one through six, I think they've got six teams that are very capable of making a lot of noise. Meanwhile, the West, uh, Louisiana gets to play a little bit more watered down of a schedule. There's some teams on the rise there. Troy, Southern Miss, South Alabama are all teams on the rise. I would much rather play it in the West. And I think if Louisiana is going to go through the losses they did this season, only having 11 returning starters and losing a lot of their key players, uh, you want to have a lighter schedule. And and, and I think they've got a schedule that's very doable this year. In fact, I rate it number 130 in the country. The toughest games are going to be at Marshall. I think Marshall makes a lot of noise in the Sun Belt this year. At Southern Miss and at Florida State. Other than that, I think they're favored in all their games. I do see them repeating as the Sun Belt West champs, but they're going to have a tougher, I think, uh, Sun Belt title game this year with whoever comes out of that East division. So you you like Louisiana to win the West. What is – who – just take us through it, the seven teams. Where do you see each one uh, finishing? What are your predictions? Yeah, I got Louisiana number one. I think overall, talent-wise, the way that program was built by Coach Napier. And DeSormo is a guy that uh, I think is going to step right in. He knows this team very well and get them to the title. Uh, probably the biggest contender is going to be Troy. I think John Sumrall steps into a good situation. He's got 18 returning starters coming back, including QB Gunnar Watson. He's got one of the best defensive lines, one of the best linebacking units in the country. It's going to be a nasty defense. And Summerall's a guy that was here during Troy's heyday when they won the uh, double-digit wins in 16, 17, 18. He was there. He knows how to get it done. Uh, he's a hard worker. Really enjoyed talking to Coach Summerall this uh, spring, post-spring, going over the team with him. And I think he gets Troy right up there towards the top. Southern Miss, you know, Will Hall's a guy who last year told me to put him on the most improved list, but then he got hit hard by injuries. And, uh, you know, they ended up playing, what, six, seven quarterbacks yeah, last year, yeah. including running backs at quarterback. I think Southern Miss would be a much improved team. If Ty Key stays healthy, they're in really good shape at the quarterback spot. 
overall this is his second year and almost every coach will tell you that second year there's a lot of improvement they know the players inside and out the players know the system they've had a full recruiting class and i think southern Miss really makes a large jump in fact they're on my most improved team south alabama it sure looked like they're going to make a bowl last year they opened up the season five and three one win away from a bowl and then they lost their last four kane womack's another one of those he's a second year head coach i do see improvement there he also has uh, 16 returning starters coming back now they do lose two key players the first one is quarterback Jake Bentley, who is the uh, Pac, uh, the uh, Utah slash South Carolina transfer. The other one is uh, Jalen Tolbert. Uh, Tolbert, of course, a dynamic receiver in the Sun Belt. But I like Carter Bradley, a wide receiver. They have a top-notch defense. I think they break through and make it to a bowl game. For Jake Spavadol at Texas State, this should be a big year for him. It's his fourth year. You know, two years ago, I, I got to watch – Due to the COVID, uh, a lot of the Texas State games are right in my mainframe. I got to watch them, and, and I was shocked that Texas State went 2-10 and 10 because they were actually, you know, you would have thought they won four, five or six of their games that year. They were that close, a lot of close losses. Last year, they improved to four wins. I think they could improve again this year. They're a borderline bowl team. They're going to have to win some games early. They should take advantage of a rebuilding Nevada in the opener and FIU and Houston Baptist. Could jump off to a 3-1 and one start. I could see them getting back to a bowl game, which, as I mentioned, the West has got a lot of improving teams. Arkansas State, I think Butch Jones, who brought in the best recruiting class in the Sun Belt this year, may uh, have one more rebuilding year under him. He's got 10 returning starters coming back, a great recruiting class, but a tough schedule on the line. Uh, I see them finishing a little short of a bowl game. Their defense was improved in the second half of last year. I think the last three, four games, we saw them improve they only have five starters back. They're going to have to play to the level they did at the end of the year because their defense was horrible at the start of last year. And that's why I think a, a second rebuilding year for Arkansas State. And finally, ULM, don't discount Terry Bowden any day of the week. Look at last year, the upsets he pulled. A 23.5-point dog, they upset Troy. Liberty, a 35-point dog, they upset Liberty. South Alabama, two-touchdown dog, dog, once again pulled the upset. He's better this year. He's a second-year head coach. Only four starters back on the defense. They're probably going to be an underdog in 10 games, but I see him pulling some upsets out there. So if you're playing ULM, you better come to play against them every week because they will pull those upsets. Phil Steele, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. In the East, you said six of seven teams could potentially win it. It's highly competitive. Um, it should be strong. So I guess start with the obvious choice of who you don't think could win it, and then the pecking order of of, of where you think each team will finish. Yeah, and I, I went with Georgia Southern, and you know I'll tell you, Scott, uh, been doing this for 28 years, and generally when you take an option team and convert them to a pass offense, Ooh. it's a three to four year process because your offensive linemen were brought in to be blockers in the option. Your receiving core is met more of blockers, and your quarterback is a guy who's more valuable with his legs than with his arm. Uh, I think Helton does have some advantages this year. First of all, when I talked to Helton, Coach Helton going over the team with him, he was shocked at the talent he had receiver. Hood, Jones, and Burgess, he said, could play for him anywhere in a pass offense. So he thought they had better receivers than he expected coming in. And also the the uh, transfer portal has really helped out in the fact that he was able to bring in a lot of transfers on the offensive line to help out there. Kyle Van Trees is a guy who 
uh, caught some people's attention at Buffalo last year, and he's more of a, a pro-style quarterback that can run, but he can definitely throw the football, and there's talent on the defensive side of the ball. I still think the transition's going to be too much. They are going to a pure pass offense from the option, and I think that's going to be a, a two- to three-year process. But the other six teams, my favorite to win the East is App State, and when you look at App State, it's uh, you know the third year uh, this season for um, – Coach Clark, and uh, you got to like Chase Bryce, cut down on the turnovers that he had the previous year at Duke, had a 27-11 ratio, a solid leader. They've got one of the best offensive lines in the country, and defensively, they have a lot of units. They're ranking my top units in the the country. They're only going to be an underdog uh, at Texas A&M. I rate the North Carolina game a toss-up, and at Marshall would be a toss-up, but they're my favorites to win the division. I think they have the most talent, and it's the third year for Sean Clark. Marshall's going to step right in. Charles Huff's a guy that was doing a great job last year. They didn't have quite the finish expected, and they also lost a couple of close games, but they got 11 returning starters. Uh, Rasheen Ali is a guy that's very dynamic at the running back spot. If they can get good quarterback play, they're going to be dangerous. And keep in mind, at Joan C. Edwards Stadium there in Marshall, uh, a lot of the Sunbelt teams have not traveled there. That's going to heighten their already outstanding home field edge. I think Marshall's going to be a player in the East. Coastal Carolina, only seven returning starters, but one of them is Grayson McCall. And with Grayson McCall back, you got a chance. Reese White and Brandon, uh, Braden Bennett at the running back spots. And uh, the thing with uh, Ch- uh, Chadwell, Coach Chadwell, I should say, uh, is that he has surprised in each of his first two years. I think with the amount of players they lost, they probably won't match last year's 11-win total. But don't discount Coastal's chances of contending there. Georgia State, Sean Elliott and company, heck, last year they had Auburn beat and they ended up losing that game. Uh, and it looks like a 10-point loss, but, I mean, they could easily have won that game. This year they get North Carolina at home. Big. They open up with that South Carolina. He does it the right way. He does it with a strong run game, which he's got. He's got deep backfield and a strong offensive line, and also a top-notch defense. I think this is Elliott's best, best team he's put on the field in his six years here at Georgia State, and he's had some pretty good ones. With Old Dominion, you know, uh, Ricky Ronnie is a guy that last year surprised me because they were a team that hadn't played in 2020 and had the fewest among the fewest returning starters in the country. Uh, this year, when you look at Old Dominion, they've got 17 returning starters. They gained a lot of confidence late in the year by winning their final five games, came up just short in a bowl game. Uh, I think that confidence level, the experience level, will really help them in the transition. I think Old Dominion makes some noise in the East. And then how do you discount James Madison? Kurt Signetti's got, uh, got a team that uh, in, went 14-2 and in the FCS in 19, 7-1 the next year, 12-2 and last year. He's lost to the eventual FCS champion in the playoffs each of the last three years. Now, he only does have nine returning starters, or else I probably would have picked him a little bit higher. But I like the talent that they have overall, and James Madison's going to be a tough test. Plus, nobody's played them, so you know they're tough to prepare for on a weekly basis. So overall, the East looks brutal, especially when you get down to your number six team is James Madison, a perennial uh, FCS powerhouse. Phil Steele. Our guest, his college football preview available now. Go get it at Barnes & Noble. All right, Phil, I know you got a heart out here in five minutes. So uh, LSU, Brian Kelly, year one, what is your prediction for the Tigers? What, Where do you think their biggest strength is, and where do you think their biggest concern is? 
Uh, biggest strength for me is clearly the defensive line. I thought they were dominant in the spring, and I think if you watch this defensive line this year, they have the chance to be dominant. My biggest question mark is, on the flip side of the coin, the offensive line, they lose practically everybody off the offensive line, and that is a concern to me. They brought in a couple of transfers, which should be able to step in, but it's a brand-new offense with a brand-new offensive line. They've got talent at the quarterback position, but will those quarterbacks have time to throw the ball uh, overall outlook for LSU is, you know, if you're an LSU fan, I don't think it's going to be anything like that dream season of 2019 when they went 15-0. and But it's probably a bowl season is probable in the first year, despite the fact they only have 11 returning starters. I like what Kelly did in the transfer portal. But overall, that West, pretty tough. I, I just see them as a, a middle-of-the-road team in the West this year, as opposed to the powerhouse that uh, you're used to with LSU. So what, you have them finishing, what, fourth? Actually, I've got them all the way down at six, but okay. i got to be honest with you, Scott. In my March, when I looked at it, I had number one Alabama, number two Texas A&M, and then I had a five-way tie for third. And and really, at the end, I, I couldn't put anybody seventh, and it was tough to come up with somebody to put third. I think all five of those teams are pretty equal. Eventually, I didn't want to come out with a five-way tie, so Mississippi State, due to their schedule, LSU, due to the fact of all the transition they had, I put those guys tied for six. There you go. And then in the East, you don't need to break down each one. Obviously, Georgia, the defending champ, they're loaded. Billy Napier, his first year at Florida, Kentucky, Mizzou, South Carolina, Tennessee, Vandy. Um, you don't. I know you don't have enough time to break down each one, but how do you see the SEC East shaking out? Georgia. And I think, Scott, the main thing this year is we're going to re- see a return of the powerhouses. Last year, when I talked to the head coaches, 90% of them had 17, 18, 19 returning starters due to COVID. They had everybody back. Told me they'd never been able to play three teams in the spring. They're as deep as they ever were. The only teams that weren't were Clemson, which had a fa- which didn't even make the ACC title game. Ohio State didn't make the Big Ten title game. Oklahoma didn't make the Big 12 title game. Heck, Alabama lost to Texas A&M, and had they lost to Auburn, uh, they probably wouldn't even have been in the uh, SEC title game. And they had a new loss to LSU as well as a huge favorite. But this year, everybody's on the same playing field. So I think the powerhouses return. I do see Georgia winning the East, and I don't see anybody really contending with them. I see Alabama winning the West. I don't see anybody contending with them. And I also see uh, teams like Clemson and uh, also Ohio State returning to power this year, not only getting back to undefeated, winning their division, or conference, but uh, making the playoff this year. All right, Phil. I'm, I got last questions. I'll ask them all at once. Um, best mid-major team this year, and then your prediction for the college football playoff and the national championship. Yeah, to me, the uh, the team of the uh, the mid-majors has the best chance of running the table. Might be UCF for getting close to it. Uh, UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, all there in the American. But I like that. I like what uh, Malzahn's doing there. At UCF. And I think he's going to do great. And then, as far as the uh, playoff structure goes, I got to go with Alabama. Ohio State is one and two into the playoff, with uh, Georgia and Clemson three and four. I do see Alabama and Ohio State meeting in the national title game. Way too much talent. Very experienced teams. They are more experienced than they were last year. And so I see Alabama and Ohio State meeting in the title game. And I went with Bama to win it all. The usual suspects, but hey. They're the usual suspects for a reason. And to your point, Phil, with a lot of the super seniors in the extra year after COVID, 
you know, things start leveling out more so this year when it comes to the powerhouses in each conference. That is Phil Steele. He has been our guest. Go get the college football preview. Phil Steele's college football preview, the 2022 version available now. You can get it at Barnes & Noble's. Digital versions available at philsteel.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at philsteel042, the most accurate and uh, comprehensive guide to each college football season. I always look forward to this conversation every single summer, Phil. It's like when you're when your magazine hits the shelves, it's it's like a, a college football kind of unofficial holiday in a lot of ways. So I appreciate you doing this over the last 28 years and coming on this show over the last 12 and uh, continued success, my friend. All the best. I appreciate that, Scott. And always fun talking football with you, my friend. Always, always, Phil. All the best, brother. Have a good one. All right. There it is, the great Phil Steele. I, I wish I had more time with him. He had a hard out today. I only had about know, 28 minutes or so. I could. There are some years where he doesn't, you know, he's just kind of, hey, I got as much time as I need, and we I just pick his brain for hours. Um, But. Good stuff there. UCF, as he thinks, is the best mid-major team this year. Interesting, in breaking down UL, he says, look, from a schedule standpoint, he has it ranked at 130. Being in the West Division this year is good for them, considering, you know, they're, they don't have a ton of returning starters. You have some trans, you know, some a new head coach, granted one that's familiar and has been there as an assistant, but says he, he expects them, his prediction is that they win the West again. East is loaded. He has LSU finishing sixth in the SEC West, but says, look, you got Alabama and A&M, and then from there, between Auburn, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss, and LSU, any of them could finish third. And then he said, look, you got Georgia in the East, and that's that. That's it. He likes Bama and Ohio State in the national championship game. The great Phil Steele. I'm Scott Prather. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.